This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Andrew Lawton hanging on. Of course, 980 London, our London affiliate. He is down at the convention, Cleveland, Ohio, for the uh, National Republican Convention. And, uh, of course, it was announced a little... uh, It was announced, actually, yesterday, late last night, last night. And here it is. The chair announces that Donald Day Trump having received a majority of these votes entitled to be cast at the convention, has been selected as the Republican Party nominee for President of the United States. He doesn't sound very convincing, does he? It's sort of like, well, we've looked at everything we can. Uh, We've added up the numbers 450 times, and uh, geez, look what's happened. He's still the winner. Why don't you just say that? Uh, Andrew Lawton is with us, 980, AM 980 in London, and of course in Cleveland, uh, Ohio, for the big convention. He's with us now. Hello, Andrew. How are you today? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well, but I'm actually calling because I'm trying to get uh, some money from you. You're behind in your taxes. And I, uh, <laughs> I know. Have you done you, any... You owe me money. We're going to have to throw you in jail otherwise. You, you must have done stuff like that on your show. Uh, I've talked about it because I've received the call, but I feel left out because everyone else is getting all these, and I haven't been uh, for like well, a year now. Next time I get the call, I'm giving them your name and number, and you can do it on your show. Good uh, <laughs> deal. Because I'm quite surprised that this is the third time for me. All right, so tell us about the buzz there last night. What was it like being there for this? It was really interesting because as much as we had earlier in the afternoon yesterday, a little bit of like a discrepancy over the vote count for the Alaska delegates. It was more of a formality. And then on Monday, we had uh, the the bigger one, which was that attempt from some of the anti-Trump delegates to try to find a way to sort of change the rules a little bit. Apart from those two days, I mean, there's been, for the most part, a a fair bit of unity. I mean, people obviously not all thinking the same thing and feeling the same thing about Donald Trump, but people have been, for the most part, uh, pretty pretty not non-disruptive with it. So last night when it was announced, I was interested if there would be anything like a walkout or or any booing or anything like that, and Mm. and for the most part, no. I mean, the cheers and applause and and support for Donald Trump was fairly overwhelming at that particular particular juncture when that was announced and I mean that announcement was a bit of a formality in and of itself just because uh, we already knew that he had the votes and and we already knew kind of like 45 minutes into the roll call that he had surpassed that uh, majority. Talk about his family member speaking last night specifically obviously his kids speaking. Well, I mean, they didn't uh, use someone else's speech, so that was a step in the right direction. What is the (laughs) is there any more fallout? How is that playing the next day? It is non-existent today. Really? Yeah, I mean, it was even non-existent yesterday, though, later on in the day. Like, it was one of these things where the media was far more consumed by it than actual delegates and, and convention attendees were. So no one cares. I don't think so. I mean, you're dealing with the most faithful of the party faithful here at the at the party convention, like you would at any party convention. So, what happened is ultimately it became more sympathetic to her in a way. It became oh, see now the media is going after Melania too. So mm. it kind of fed right into what has been kind of the the rights defense of Donald Trump for much of the nomination race. So obviously you've been you know inside the walls of the convention uh, for the last couple of days. Do you think the way the media is on this that it will play outside the convention uh, as the days progress? 
I think I think it has to. I mean, there's obviously going to be a bit of a disconnect between what people in the room are going to think and feel and what people watching it at home are. I mean, that's true of any event. What was interesting, and I don't know if people caught this, uh, but I'm you know in the arena and I had a really great seat last night when everything was happening, and I had the like giant like 40 foot. TV screen with Paul Ryan's face on it, like directly in front of me. <laughs> and I was watching that when he announced it. And I saw this like lump move down his throat as he gulped after announcing Donald Trump was the nominee. And I don't want to read too much into something that's nothing, but his smile looked so forced. Mm. And that gulp, and kind of putting that alongside what we already know about Paul Ryan, I'm like, this is not a guy who's thrilled to be in this situation that he's in right now. Well, even listening to the audio, uh, you can t- it just it, it, it sounds like, well, okay, uh, there's no other alternative. So it's Donald Trump. I mean, he was very apprehensive in his announcement. Yeah, and even in his actual speech, I mean, he obviously spoke about, uh, you know, referencing there's going to be President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, and he spoke about his desire to return as Speaker, but but it was more in, in sort of a prediction-based tone that he had, like, you know, when this happens. It wasn't uh, a statement about how much it should happen. Mm. How long can these supposed supporters speak and not really ma- make mention of him or, you know, start the Trump rally cry? I mean, they're basically not acknowledging him in some senses in their speeches. Not directly. I mean, you can tell there's not this sense of, you know, this cult of personality for a lot of these particular people where they're able to say, you know, and Donald Trump's the guy and he's going to do this. And he, I mean, uh, compare it to eight years ago with Barack Obama and with Obama. I mean, everyone's talking about he's the guy that's going to do this. He's going to bring this. He's going to do this. No one's really doing that with Donald Trump. And, and even when people say, you know, we're going to make America great again, which is a, a common refrain here, they're not talking about Donald Trump will make America great again. So mm, yeah. a lot of the discourse has been kind of speaking in generalities here, which has been very telling. And obviously a lot of attacking Hillary, Hillary this, Hillary that. Is that, is that a, uh, a sign of what we're going to see for the rest of this campaign, that it'll be less about Donald Trump's policy and, and those sort of one-line answers and more about attacking Hillary? Well, to be honest, I think those two are kind of hand in hand. I mean, Donald Trump's success is that he is the anti-establishment candidate, and you can't get more establishment than Hillary Clinton. Mm. And when you talk about Donald Trump's vision, I guess, that, you know, the, the elites are all looking out for each other, it's, it really helps that Hillary Clinton was able to escape from prosecution and charges in her uh, email server issue, because now he can help hold that up as, you know, evidence piece or exhibit, you know, like 427. And what was fascinating was Chris Christie's address yesterday. Mm -hmm. He leaned on his experience as a federal prosecutor and had sort of a mock indictment and evidence sort of delivery of the case against Hillary Clinton. And he kept asking people, you know, guilty or not guilty. And I I don't think there were any close calls there. I think everyone uh, was pretty unanimous in thinking she was guilty. And lock her up was Hmm. something that people were shouting so loudly. I mean, she is despised here. And that is not something that is able to emerge without entering into the Republican strategy because that's the base. Maybe that whole, uh, you know, guilty chant and all the chanting that was sort of lock up Hillary, that's this version of drill, baby, drill. Maybe that's, you know, just this campaign's sort of, you know, shouting mantra. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. What? Uh, so, uh, talk a little bit more. Uh, did did bringing the family members up? His daughter opened uh, opened up the the speaking. Uh, his daughter with Marla. Uh, do, do, bringing those members of the family in does that position Trump well? I think it has to in a way because he's trying to sell this whole package. I mean, if what's what he's been doing now has been helping to thus to this point, he doesn't want to really go too far away from that. I think what really worked out well was having people like uh, Tiffany, for example, speaking about, you know, the light, nice little notes he writes on her report cards yeah. or did when she was younger. I mean, this human face on Donald Trump that has, I think, been absent from most of the coverage of him. Uh, boy, uh, as he moves his family into the spotlight, all I can think in the back of my head is, is this the next dynasty family in American politics, like the Clintons, like the Bushes? Can you see his kids running one day? You know, a lot of people were saying that after Donald Jr.'s speech last night, he was really compelling. He was very polished. Mm -hmm. He was certainly subdued compared to Donald Trump Sr. I don't know if that's jumping the shark to go down that road, but I think it's proof that the family is in this together. I mean, they're all on board with this. Even Tiffany Trump, who's lesser known in the grand sort of Trump family, came out for this. And I'm sure if Barron Trump were a couple years older, he'd be doing a speech at some point as well. So the, the family is all in, and again, for a family that's been in the spotlight in the past, I mean, Trump has made sure that his family is a big part of his brand. It's not overly surprising. I think it has to help. I mean, if he has like five people with the Trump name that he can send around the country to campaign on his behalf, that's a huge tactical advantage until November. Hmm. Uh, so Ted Cruz up, uh, is he going to be the same as the others? Is he going to support the party and not the candidate? That'll be interesting to see, and I, I wouldn't be betting on that at all. I, I think that the fact that he was given a spot means there has to be some level of confidence in the fact that he's going to play ball and, and not throw anyone under the bus. But again, it's going to be that Paul Ryan thing. I mean, what he doesn't say can be just as telling as what he says. Uh, and in the end, is this really what's needed, or is what's needed to have Trump there and whoever involved shaking hands, giving a hug, holding their arms in the air, and starting a big USA chant? Isn't that what's really needed here to unite this party? <laughs> well, I don't know. When we get the balloon drop tomorrow night, maybe that'll be that last sort of magic dose of, of party unity. But uh, I think there is definitely going to be uh, still a fracture in the party. It just depends on how big. How does he mend fences moving forward? Do we see a different Donald Trump from this convention forward? I think he has to continue to establish that a vote against him or someone who stays home or a vote for a third party candidate is a vote for Hillary because even the most ardent of Republicans I don't think will be able to pass up <laughs> that sort of messaging if they think they're electing her. Polls are still neck and neck between Hillary and Trump at this point. Uh, a lot of us forever uh, underestimated that he would make it this far. Uh, how realistic or how are our Americans feeling about how realistic it is that this man could be in the White House? I think you're right when you talk about the polls there. It is a coin toss. I mean, polls are going to go up and down. At the end of the day, you've got roughly equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans in the country. It is a coin toss. Now, a lot will change between now and November. I mean, I don't like to, to sort of speculate on this front, but I think if we see more incidences like Orlando and like Paris, I, I think these will help strengthen Trump's support base because he's the anti-terrorism guy. So if we continue to see that be an issue, I think that can't help 
or really can't help but to help him. Okay, Mike Pence, his running mate as VP. Wh- what can we expect from him? This he he he's certainly drawn into the spotlight at this point, but uh, from what I understand, can handle himself. Yeah, I think he's going to play the voice of experience card here. He's obviously been in Congress and was well-respected by the Republican Party and uh, the more conservative uh, part of it especially. As a governor, I think he's been very successful in Indiana. And I think that he's going to say, you know what, I'm the stable, consistent, conservative leader and really try to shore up those uncertain Republicans. So I, I don't think Pence is, is really needed to win over the delegates. I think he's winning over the sort of Republican base that's a little bit lukewarm on Trump still. All right, so what happened uh, with the protests and you outside? Oh, that was, uh, yeah, not an expected one. I was at an event yesterday evening. It was an LGB Trump event, so uh, gays for Donald Trump. And there was a counter-protest of queers against racism. That was what they called themselves. And Mm -hmm. and I was just trying to get a little bit of a sense of of what they were actually doing there. So I was just, you know, going over. I had my microphone. I was trying to interview them about it. And and they didn't want to answer any questions about what they were doing. They uh, handed me a little sheet of paper to read instead, which, as you know, paper does not translate well to radio. (laughs) Uh, So I I just sort of hung around and was was just listening in. And and finally, they they said they were so uh, uncomfortable by my presence there, they actually... it was very weird. They wrapped me in a sheet and covered my face and, and my whole sort of body and attempted to physically remove me. They were pushing me. They were shouting, like, you know, rude things at me. That's and, assault. I That's mean, assault, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, and there were 30 police officers standing by. They were there to make sure the protest didn't get out of hand. And I guess this constituted not out of hand in their eyes. And again, I didn't feel physically in danger because three people pulling couldn't manage to move me, which I, right. I felt pretty good about. But the fact that they tried and that this is sort of where the the discourse ha- has lowered to in this case is, is a bit telling. So, and, and go and read Andrew's Facebook post to, to, uh, to, to see exactly what happened here. But how how did they try to wrap you in a sheet? Well, they they were holding a. It was they had turned a sheet into a sign into a banner, and yeah. they that's where they had written the the queers against racism, and and it was big enough that they were holding it. So they just basically one on each side, and they and they had a name for it. I wish I could remember it. I think it was like let's sheet him or let's wrap him or blanket it. It was or they had yeah. they made something into a verb for it anyway. And and uh, no, I mean there there was when the the sheet was right up against my face, there was an instant sort of concern of okay, am I going to breathe? And and once I realized I could, I wasn't <laughs> fearful or anything, but uh, frankly, the odor was, was more of a weapon than anything else. They, they were in desperate need of warm water and soap, I think, but that's secondary. <laughs> so how did you feel after this experience? I, I It's tough, because I mean, as, as someone who values free speech and good debate, I was disappointed. As a talk radio host, I'm like, all right, well, I know what I'm going to talk about on Monday. So yeah, really? <laughs> it, it's uh, kind of a catch-22 there. But, I mean, as a Canadian, you just don't expect that, do you? And, I mean, even as a guy with a, with a microphone walking into, yes, it's a hot spot, let's be serious. I mean, you're just not expecting that sort of thing, are you? No, never, especially because I, I've talked to a lot of protesters this week on all sorts of issues, you know, anti-war protesters, you know, um, family values protesters, open carry protesters, and every one of them can't wait to tell you hmm. what it is they're there for. So I was more astonished by the fact that these people are, are making a scene. It was a, a loud protest. It was very bombastic, but they just didn't want to talk about what they were actually doing there, and I still don't know what their point was. 
Wow. Andrew Lawton has been with us from AM980 in London, down in Cleveland, covering the convention uh, live for uh, chorus affiliates across the country, and of course, undergoing his own experiences along the way. Andrew, uh, thanks and stay safe down there. <laughs> I'll do my best. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, the blogs and commentary today on the Scott Thompson Show page and blog. CRA Fraud, we'll explain this more in a minute. Uh, but basically, uh, I, I, I've got one of these calls. I got several of them uh, that everybody's talking about with people claiming to be from the Canada Revenue Agency and demanding uh, that you do something. Uh, you can, of course, follow the link to the actual call, which we're going to play again for you, so you don't have to do this now. And, of course, read the blog at 900CHML.com. Poll question of the day is there as well, uh, asking you if you think that the current child benefit uh, plan will uh, almost alleviate or pretty much cut child poverty in half. 88% of you are saying no. Feel free to offer your opinion at 900CHML.com. Facebook and Twitter as well, you can use that as a vehicle to get a hold of us. Phone lines are always open, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. And, of course, uh, you can always send me a note at scottthompson at 900chml.com. As I mentioned, the website at 900chml.com. All the latest on the golf tournament, which is tomorrow. Uh, what else we got? Oh, HD radio and downloading the new app, so it's all at your fingertips. All the details at 900chml.com. All right, so uh, what happened I, I, a few weeks ago? We came home, and on our voicemail was a message from somebody pretending to be from the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, and and basically said, uh, you've got to address this immediately. We kind of, I laughed it off. I said, you know, pff, here's one of those calls. You know, everybody's talking about them. This is one of those fraudulent calls. And never thought anything more about it. Uh, then the other day, I came home, and on the voicemail again was the message. So I thought, you know what? I've had enough of this. So I, I recorded the message on my phone. I sent it off to Jake. I said, we got to play this on the air tomorrow. Uh, we played it on the air. We also talked to a tax lawyer. And then for fun, we decided to give uh, the man who claimed to be Officer Ryan Smith a telephone call. So what you're going to hear first is the actual voicemail which we received uh, last week starting this whole mess. This is from my voicemail. Hi, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Canada Revenue Agency. The reason for the call is to inform you that you are under federal investigation because of the audit which took place on your tax papers. As you are found suspicious, we need you or your lawyer to call us back on 844-551-0596. I repeat, 844-551-0596. Don't try to disregard the message or else it will be taken as an offense from your side. Again, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Revenue Canada. So that was the message, and uh, of course, we uh, talked to the tax attorney in regard to this, and then for a little fun, we thought we'd give the number a call. Uh, we tried two or three times to get through, couldn't get through. Eventually, we got a ring, and someone answered, and it just happened to be the same voice that was left on the voicemail. 
Thank you for call. How can I help you? Is Officer Ryan Smith there, please? All right. Hold the line. <clears throat> we got a hook. We got a bite. You looking for Ryan Smith? Yes, Officer Ryan Smith. What is your name? Uh, my name is Robert Calvin. Robert Calvin. I will check it out, okay? Hold the line. You have left a message on my answering machine? Which number? Your home number? Uh, at 905-645-3221. No, I think you provide me wrong number. Thank you. Hello? So then the guy hangs up. So I guess I didn't have the right code, the right number. In other words, it didn't match the files because I didn't give my real name or my real phone number. I gave the station's number. Um, you know, I didn't match his, match his record. So I go from, uh, you know, if I don't answer this with my lawyer, it will be held against me to, no, you don't have the right number. Okay. <laughs> so I then tried to call the number back after this call. And we got through. You could hear the, the line would stop ringing. It would pick up and then immediately disconnect. Call back. Same thing happened. The line would open up and then immediately disconnect. He blocked the call. He blocked my line. So, uh, again, at that point, uh, Canada Revenue Agency uh, couldn't supply somebody with us but has today. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is this morning I'm sitting in my home office and I get another one, this time with a guy with an English accent, from a guy with an English accent. And I was on the speakerphone initially because I'm sitting at my desk and I'm at the computer and usually Liz, my producer, calls and we go back and forth and, and have a little conference call. So I just assumed it was her and I hit my speakerphone and then, of course, this guy comes across uh, from supposedly the CRA. And then by the time I pick up the handset and, you know, he's asking my name and I said, yes, this is he. What can I do for you? Uh, he paused for a second, then hung up again. So clearly it couldn't have been that important if they keep hanging up on me. To talk more about all of this, Paul Noel Murphy is with us, Manager Communications, Ontario Region, Canada Revenue Agency, and is on the line with us now. Hello, Paul. How are you today? Very good, uh, Scott. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks uh, for taking the time. So uh, safe to say this is a scam call? That sounds exactly like a scam call to me. It's just the behavior of the, uh, the, the so-called uh, agent or officer just does not sound like a legitimate uh, Canada Revenue Agency employee calling you. How bad is this problem? It's pretty bad. It's, it's really widespread across the country. We've been receiving reports. Um, it ramps up during the uh, tax filing season, but now that that's over, we're still hearing reports about this, and, and people are, are still giving us uh, contact, contacting us to let us know that this is going on. And I mean, even the OPP said, uh, you know, we're getting so many calls on this, it's taking away from the other services. Uh, that we have to provide. What do you do if you get a call like this? Yeah, what happens when you get a call like that is there's the uh, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, which is uh, the RCMP and the OPP together. They have a, a dedicated service uh, 
to combat this. And they're the law enforcement people who are uh, investigating domestic and overseas to find out who's behind this. So they're the people to call, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And uh, how do you know if this is fake, if this is real? I mean, when I heard the first time, heard the call the first time, I thought, well, this is clearly one of these calls that you people and the police are all warning us about. Uh, The second time I decided to record it and, of course, do what you just heard on the air. But, boy, I I got a third one this morning. So now I'm getting (laughs) aggravated about all of this. Yeah. Yeah, well, t- if you want some tips on how to know if it's legitimate or not, you can go to our website. We've got a whole page on fraud prevention that uh, links from our front page, cra.gc.ca. And on there, we've got a whole bunch of tips you can look at. I mean, one of the things to think about is, have I been notified already about owing taxes mm-hmm. uh, or being audited or, or what have you? Have I received anything in the mail? Because that's the first tip that I would give your, your listeners. Is, uh, CRA typically does business through the mail initially. Mm-hmm. We'll send you a notice of assessment. We'll send you a letter. We'll send you, uh, you know, notices saying, you know, you owe, you owe us money. Um, if you haven't received any of that, uh, you, you may still receive contact from a CRA officer, but the, the key point there is, is watch out for threatening, aggressive behavior. Uh, if the caller is saying, you know, I'm going to have you arrested, I'm going to put you in jail, that's not how CRA does business. Hmm. So that's that's a tip that you, you can watch out for. Uh, also, watch out for what they're going to ask for for payment. Uh, a lot of these uh, scammers are asking for payment with prepaid credit cards, uh, prepaid gift cards like iTunes gift cards. Uh, CRA does not ask for payment that way, and we don't accept payment that way. So don't go down to the, uh, the shopping center and pick up all $5,000 worth of gift cards to pay off CRA, because that's not legitimate. You know, I've heard reports from people in regard to doing just that, buying yeah. gift cards or what have you. This is pretty brazen, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the whole idea of, of calling somebody up and saying, okay, well, here's the PIN number off the back of a gift card. That's a sign that uh, this is not above board. Um, and so I want you, your listeners to, to be well uh, informed about this and, and to inform their friends and their family, uh, vulnerable people in the population, seniors, uh, newcomers to Canada who don't speak English that well. Uh, we want everybody to know that this is out there and, and to be warned. And, of course, that CRA does not accept payment through gift cards or something of that nature. Exactly. There's legitimate ways that we accept payment to the Receiver General of Canada through online banking, uh, through uh, the my payment system on our electronic uh, services, but not not through prepaid gift cards or or, or credit cards. Paul, you heard uh, this call. A- at what point do you does it send up red flags for you? Uh, well, I mean the, the fact that he's hanging up on you after uh, <laughs> uh, putting you on hold and coming back and sounding like it's the same guy. I mean that's that's not professional behavior. Uh, it's it's very suspicious right from the right from the start. Can you trace these calls? Is there anything that can be done? H- how does the Anti-Fraud Center even go about this? I guess I'm asking the wrong person here, but uh, is it possible to make a dent in this? Well, that's what the law enforcement people are trying to do. and I've been in contact with the OPP and, and, uh, and the uh, RCMP about this. They are, they are making some headways. They've been, they've been making some arrests. Uh, but, yeah, again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a widespread problem. And you just have to be warned to be 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 diligent about this. Uh, one thing to watch out for is a lot of these um, callers are using a, what's called spoofing uh, technology, where your uh, call display will look like it's domestic. It's a one eight hundred number, area code six one three, or for Ottawa. Uh, don't be deceived by that. That uh, doesn't mean that it's actually from a legitimate source. 
Uh, and I understand that this is just a this is just as bad a problem with email as well. Yeah, the emails are, are coming out as well. We've been seeing examples of them where you'll get a, an email that looks legitimate, that's got the Canada Revenue Agency banner on it, it's got nice graphics, but then it'll say, you have a refund due to you of so many dollars. Click on this link and provide your personal information. Well, that's not from CRA. We don't send emails for that nature. We, do, we will never ask you to click on a link mm-hmm. to a third-party website uh, or even a website that looks like ours. Any idea where these are originating from? Any ideas where these people are calling me from? It's, uh, it's from what I understand from law enforcement, it's domestic, it's international, it's overseas. It's from all, all sorts of sources. All right, Paul Noel Murphy has been with his manager, Communications, Ontario Region, Canada Revenue Agency. And once again, Paul, uh, what's the website that people can go to to find out more on uh, preventing themselves from falling victim to this? Sure, you go to uh, cra.gc.ca. All right, Paul Noel Murphy's been with his manager, Communications, Ontario Region for the CRA. Paul, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot, Scott. All right, you take care. Uh, there you go. Uh, he, he's heard it all before. Nothing new here, kids. Uh, we've got Chris on the line now. Apparently, he has uh, had a taste of this. Chris, tell us your story. Yeah, um, I had a call from Revenue Canada saying that I owe back tax of $6,000, and this, I owed six grand. And they said that they're going to send the police to arrest me, and I'm going to put a $98,000 lien on my house. And I was so afraid of that, I, I went and got iTunes cards of $12,000. Oh, my. Did did anything strike you, uh, Chris, that, you know, wow, they're accepting payment in 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 gift cards? Something yeah, seem I, right? I thought it was weird, but the thing was, I... Uh, I was just uh, in shock that he called me and said, I'm going to jail on a $98,000 lien. And then he said, get as much money as you can. By that time, it was too late. So you were actually victimized for $12,000? Yeah, actually taken for twelve grand. And I called him back and I said, where's my, at least my six grand uh, deposit? And he says, so you've got to give us another six grand to get twelve grand back. Oh, my. Oh, wow. What did, what did the police say about all the of this? The police said it's just a scam. Had I gone to the police, I was still afraid, but had I gone to the police, that wouldn't have happened. But they caught me on the re- on the phone saying that yeah. you owe six grand and a retainer of six grand to get out of this. So, wow. Uh, at the end of the day, what sort of advice do you have for anybody who oh, may receive these calls? I just don't. Listen, just hang up on them and tell them the, the police have been called and they're going to deal with you later. Don't, don't give them a dime because they, they don't want to give you back anything. Chris, thanks very much for sharing the story. Much appreciated. All righty. Thank All you. All right. Take care. There you go. Uh, wow. 12000 bucks. Oh, my. Oh, my. That is, uh, and again, I, I can understand how this guy's feeling. I mean, after the third call, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe I do have an issue here. Maybe there's something I got I to gotta look at here. Hey, can you give me a phone line? All right, let's just, for fun. Let's see if I can get a hold of Officer Ryan Smith again. What will I say to him? I'm going to give my real name this time. Thank you for calling Canada Avenue Agency. How can I help you? I'm looking for Officer Ryan Smith, please. Okay, first of all, tell me your name, please. Then I will find out the information. Uh, my name is Scott Thompson. I'm sorry? My name is Scott Thompson. Okay. 
Sir, please hold on. Let me connect this call to Officer Ryan Smith, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <clears throat> Sorry to keep you waiting this way, but this is going to be fascinating. I uh, I wonder if they listen to us while we're on hold. Think they do? Probably sitting there going, unload them, just unload them. I'm totally surprised this number, 844-551-0596, is still legitimate. Obviously, when I got off the air, I got a phone, uh, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center, and, and provide them with this number. But it is unbelievable that the day after, I can still phone 844-551-0596, and they're still fishing. Unbelievable. And I mean, you wonder how people get taken, like Chris did? Look at this. You know, uh, is there any way, we're going to have to go to the news here, right? Is there any way we can keep this line open and record it just in case the guy does come back? No. All right, we're going to have to let him go. How late can I take this? Come on. Another minute? All right. So I'll stall for a minute and a half, hoping that they're not actually listening to us on... Ah, damn! Do you think they were listening on hold? They definitely were. <laughs> uh, how much time do I got? You got a minute. Give me one more! Daddy's fishing again! This is better than uh, being at the cottage going off the dock. This is quite amusing. It's kind of fun when the shoe is on the other freaking foot. Sorry, I shouldn't have used that word. Thank you for calling Canada Revenue Agency. How can I help you? Uh, can I speak with Officer Ryan Smith, please? He's called my home. Yes. Yes, uh, I was told to call Officer Ryan Smith. Hello? <laughs> All right, I got it. He's not, he's not stupid enough to answer... A second time, is he? All right. Oh, shoot. I get so excited here. I misdialed. Uh, <laughs> this is a great way to uh, run a radio show, isn't it? Just phone people up at random and see what the hell happens. Thank you for calling Canada Revenue Agency. How can I help you? Hi, this is Scott Thompson from CHML Radio. I think you guys are busted. Hello? Hello? Boy, that was worth all three phone calls. Just that right there was worth all three of those phone calls to my home. All right. It, it, you know what, people? I don't know how best to explain it to you. Don't, don't, don't do anything that anybody asks you to over the phone, over an email, or at your front door unless you are absolutely sure that you know what you're doing because if you here's the thing if you even ask these people for any sort of uh, identification or credibility anything of that issue they'll hang up on you and chances are if the CRA wanted your money they wouldn't be doing that so you know what my best advice to you is just ask a question ask a question and see where it goes 
Instead of them asking the questions and you answering, you ask a question. Empower yourself to ask them to verify the call. And I guarantee all you'll get is one of these. A hang-up. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Starting today, Canadian families with kids under the age of 18 will see a bigger child benefit payment. It's expected to push tens of thousands of dollars, uh, sorry, tens of thousands of Canadian children above the poverty line and stimulate the economy. How will it truly affect Canadians? To talk more about all of this, Carolyn Humby is with us, Certified Financial Planner and Financial Management Advisor for First Ontario Credit Union, and is with us now. Hello, Carolyn. How are you today? Hi, Scott. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Will this, do you think, pull uh, tens of thousands of kids uh, above the poverty line? I think it totally depends on how it's spent once it gets into their household. Wow, that's a valid point, isn't it? It is. Uh, how does this all break down? Uh, what, you know, a family uh, today, what is the difference between uh, last week? What, what are the differences in these two uh, plans? One from the former government and one from this government. Mm-hmm. My understanding is every child under the age of six, was the parents were receiving $160 for each of those children and 60 for the children aged 6 to 17. I think the change is because they've integrated all the programs. I think the changes actually give money to the families that need it most. Um, they're eliminating a couple of the tax credits, like the Children's Fitness Tax Credit and Art Tax Credit. Mm-hmm. I find uh, if you don't have a, enough money to put food on the table, you probably weren't taking advantage of that anyways. You probably didn't have the money to put your children into those programs. Mm-hmm. So I think this truly does give money in the right place. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you use it wisely when it does arrive. Very so, expensive raising children, so, as we all know. Yeah, so uh, so some families that may have received this in the past will not now receive it as it goes to others who are more in need, correct? That's how I understand it, yes. So uh, you, you talked about how the money is spent. If, like you said, people can't afford things like fitness credits to qualify for those because of, of basic essentials, how do they spend this correctly? Well, if all of a sudden, instead of $160 a month, you're going to be receiving um, $6,400 per year, uh, that's quite a bit more. My recommendation would be to take advantage of free money wherever you can. Uh, a small RESP started for a low-income family will get over and above the 20% grant. You'll get as much as 40% on the first $500. Uh, there's a Canada Learning Bond, so that's free money again. $25 a month is $300 for the year. If you were to start that right as this changed, I think it's a great way of setting aside money for a child's education. If your children are under six, you're looking at 12 years of saving. That is quite significant to put 300 aside, 40%. Canada Education Savings Grant on top of that, learning bonds on top of that, it can actually probably cover off at least the first year of college or university, which is a way of breaking the poverty cycle. If you can get an education, perhaps you can get uh, more lucrative employment long term. Uh, Great idea. Sounds good. But will this get lower income families to contribute to something like an RESP? I mean, we see scenarios where middle class families aren't doing it. Or, True or, or can't afford to do it. True enough. But a show such as this is putting the information out there, hey, I didn't think of that. It's too easy to let the money disappear by, you know, day trips out to this 
or buying some things that um, in the moment are instant gratification, I think, um, it, you know, we'd be well advised to get some education out into the system to just teach people basic budgeting skills. What comes first? Uh, you know, the... Um, the wealthy barber, pay yourself first. Mm, yeah. So if you set up a, an emergency fund, if you just take a little bit of this money and set it aside, when something happens that the kids need shoes, you've got the money in the bank. Uh, I see a lot of lower-income families end up using the you know the Money Mark type services where they pay yeah. to get a check cash. Yeah. If they would get themselves set up on just a little bit of money, 5 or $10 a week set aside, that accumulates into something that when an emergency does come up, they don't need to resort to the very, very expensive, um, you know, whether it's borrowing, whether it's using a credit card. So it is tough because, you know, I, I stayed home and raised my family, and you are living paycheck to paycheck. And if something happens that the car needs breaks, that's a big emergency. It shouldn't be, but it is. So I think just anticipating that life will have these things and maybe deferring gratification. We don't need the best of everything. We just need to make sure our kids are, you know, fed and clothed. And I think that comes back to, you know, education. How do we get info out? I mean, should the government be more diligent in telling people how to use this money, uh, how to how to spend this money? I mean, it wasn't that long ago we heard politicians saying, you know, if, if, we, if we do this, it's just more money to be spent on beer and popcorn. How do you make sure the money's going in the right spot? I think there are a lot of people that are struggling that don't spend their money on beer and popcorn, but that's always going to be a concern whether they earn their paycheck or whether they're staying home trying to raise their family on, you know, limited income. Uh, it used to be that, you know, you're 18 years of age, you'd get a, a well-paying job that would serve you through your whole entire career. Most people today are struggling to put food on the table with three and four jobs. So it's um, just because the income is low doesn't mean that it's um, misusing the resources that they have. It's just sometimes the resources just can't cover that off. So I think with young children, it's important that we have nutrition, nutrition programs like we do have in place. I know that they don't like the food stamp type of uh, subsidies because that is, you know, embarrassing to go to the grocery store with your food stamps. So uh, I don't know. Do we just as our own individual people try and help educate people from a financial institution perspective? We can help them with, you know, well, we have free checking accounts at First Ontario Credit Union. That's $15 a month that they aren't paying in fees. So I think it's just a matter of education. How do we get the message out? Once again, your show is doing that right this minute. Uh, Concerned that those that are losing, you know, whether it's the middle class or upper middle class who are getting theirs trimmed, that they not may not be contributing now as much to plans like this? Um, if they don't qualify, if their income is high enough that they don't qualify to get $160 per month per child, it probably isn't impacting their lifestyle in a large way. I think that would be an excuse on their part as opposed to they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Because this is income tested, it's not like you're cut off if you have $35,000 of income. I believe it's $89,401. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, it's, it's pretty high up there. Um, kind of digging through my resource material here. Uh, it, it's pretty high. Will this make a dent, do you think, in uh, those families uh, that are designed to benefit from this? Uh, you said if they do the right thing uh, with the money, but you know, at the end of the day, reality is reality. Will this help? Will this will this help move the the meter forward? I, w- I would like to think so. I would like to think it's money well spent. 
Um, if it allows uh, a young mother to stay home and raise her family, that can save money as well. Um, because if she has a low-paying job and she's paying babysitting, it probably comes in the house in one hand and out the house in the other. And um, I think that if it's used appropriately, it, it is a lot of money in the budget. Another thing that you can think of as well is if you're in the higher end of the low income where you're still getting some of this, using what you do have as resources, once again, it sounds it sounds sort of... Um, you know, if you don't have the money in the first place, how do mm-hmm. you do an RFP? Yeah. Well, if you have an RFP contribution, it reduces your income, which then creates more in this in this uh, benefit, the Canada Child Benefit that you'd be receiving. So it's a big circle. It's if we can get this back to the budget and use our money wisely, there's a lot of free money on the table or there's a lot of reduced uh, savings. If you pay less income tax, that's money back into the household. Uh, stretching your dollar further, there's all kinds of programs out there that you can look for the, you know, um, children to be participating in other programs as well. It is a lot of support. I think it should make a difference, but once again, only if it's not spent on frivolous things. Let me ask you this, Carolyn. Uh, this segment of the population that would receive these these benefits I, I'm I, I'm assuming that some may think financial plan again. I, I'm just trying to make ends meet. Financial plan is out of the you know out of the question. Is it important for people who are receiving this to get some sort of financial plan, even though they think it, it might be minimal? It, you know, just to find out the, the basic answers to questions like you're saying in regard to fees, this, that, and the other, and just how to ban- manage the money. You know, just because you only have a certain amount doesn't mean that you can't manage it correctly. I think it's more important when you have less that you manage it better Hmm. because you have less to waste. So even shopping around for bundling services such as, you know, your phone and Internet and those kinds of things, saving those bits of money allows money to be used in another area. I I think it's just a common-sense approach, and depending on, like, Is someone going to uh, a private banker for this kind of information? No, of course not. But anyone who has you know, credit cards, anyone who has bank accounts, any of those things should definitely have an appointment with someone to understand their best use of funds. And as I said, the wealthy barber, pay yourself first. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It just needs to be a little bit of something to see yourself moving forward. Avoiding credit cards, avoiding debt is the most important thing because that's so expensive and it is such a waste of money. But I recognize, you know, sometimes you're caught in a trap and you need to do those things. So if you were to meet with someone who is experienced in those kinds of things, maybe they can help you sort it out and get on track for saving money, getting rid of debt, and then this actually can make a significant difference in quality of life for those families. How do people get out of the payday loan cycle? (laughs) That is a big challenge. I think you have to do without for a month or two. I, I think that just making yourself deny yourself that instant gratification. Um, I see that same thing with overdraft. If you have a $500 overdraft on your account and you're always at $500 overdraft, you've just made that part of your budget. It's mm. not an overdraft protection anymore. There is no protection. You've, you're just going to still be bouncing checks when you exceed that. So you've just made a very expensive cash advance. So it is tough on the payday loan. Uh, if you have a, a friend or family member that's good with money and good with budgeting, maybe they can help guide you along 
and just help you see how maybe there are some things that you're that you could change just to kind of catch up because once you're moving forward it's it's back to having an emergency fund if you've got 50 or 100 or 1000 or whatever your magic number is if you've got a few bucks on the side then waiting a week or a month shouldn't be a problem for you Carolyn Humby's been with us certified financial planner and financial management advisor for First Ontario Credit Union Carolyn thanks for the time and insight much appreciated Thank you so much The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.